Hello and welcome to Staring at a Blank Page, sponsored by idofestivals.co.uk. In this episode, I speak with Portsmouth singer and songwriter Becky Jerrams. He told me I wouldn't make it. They said that I was bound to fall. Just a no good troublemaker. Becky, some people would know you as a, a singer locally, yeah. Uh, but you also have a, a quite a successful songwriting career for not necessarily just for yourself, but for other people. Do you want to just give us a bit of background about that? Uh, yeah, well, I started off, um, I started off singing um, and songwriting just for myself when I was a teenager, um, and I learnt guitar when I was sixteen, and I sort of started off making little demos uh, on my little. Uh, piano, the Yamaha little rubbishy one and just making all these little recordings in my bedroom and for quite a long while I just really only focused on writing stuff for me Um, I didn't really know what I was doing I just kind of made it all up as I went along like I learnt as I went Um, I went to a music college in Brighton for two years and I met a lot of really cool people there and like learnt a lot about music and recording and things like that there Um, and then it came to a point where I started to research songwriting for other people and it was something that I'd never really thought about before or I'm not sure why, it just never really occurred to me. Um, and then I started doing all research on all these really huge songwriters who maybe nobody knew them personally, like they weren't famous, but they were famous in the songwriting circles because of how many hits they'd had and they'd managed to build up amazing careers writing pop songs in all different genres and then something about this idea just really excited me and it was almost like even though I love performing I love writing for myself I've I've never really been like a fame chaser or somebody who wanted to be a famous artist like I love to perform maybe once every couple of months um, like a little intimate gig I really enjoy it and then the main thing I loved doing was songwriting um and also in in the music industry with with uh, pop songs, it's all about like the image and the product and you know everything like that. So um, I love to be able to sort of dip in and try all kind of different things. So the idea of being able to write for different people um, and be able to try a bit of this, a bit of that, and you know have so, loads of projects on the go just really interested me. Um, so I started uh, looking into how the how do I start doing this how if I want to be a songwriter for other people what do I do um and actually the thing which really helped me was I got this book and it was by Louis Walsh of all people and it was in like Poundland and it was like Louis Walsh's guide to being a musician and it was like you know a big picture book complete like layman's terms for every aspect of music from like singing to performing to publishing and that is literally how I sat and learned about publishing companies and how songwriters like get paid and PRS and all this kind of stuff was from this like so I thank Louis Walsh if I ever meet him <laughs> for teaching me and showing me the way and I just read this book and I, I kind of tried to get like a basic understanding of how uh, music worked from a songwriter's point of view and then I realized well if I want to be a songwriter and I want to try and write for either TV shows or for other artists. I'm going to have to find a publishing company. Like that seems to be what I need to do. So I just sent my demo out. I went through to uh, through the unsigned guide, which is like a big music directory, and it has lists of like everything you would need from uh, publishing to record labels to even like photography and stuff like that. Um, and I just went through every single publishing company in London. 
that kind of maybe fit my style of music and I must have like sent out about 50 or 60 demos um, and of that I think I maybe heard back from about like five and maybe three of those were like thanks so much for your interest but we're not we're, we're fully booked our roster is full and I'm like oh my god but from there I actually met my first few contacts in London because there were out of all those publishing companies there was two that got back to me the first one was a small company called North Star Music and the second was a, a company called Delicious Digital um, and both of them sort of had a part to play in how I then moved forward with my songwriting. Um, I ended up uh, staying with North Star for a couple of years um, and uh, they were the people who first introduced me to co-writing and toplining which is what I do which is writing lyrics and melodies over the top of somebody else's backing track so that's something I'd never thought about doing before I always just wrote from scratch with guitar or piano um, and then suddenly this term was kind of shown to me and it's a thing which is really well known in the songwriting circles and most people when you do songwriting sessions that will be tend to be how that will work we'll have like a track first um, by a producer and then maybe us as top liners we can kind of arrange it and pick where we want to sit things and the dynamics of it but it just gives you a really great starting point to start writing a song and it means that the producer can really work on making the production sound great and you can work on the bit which is your strength which is the lyrics and the melodies so I kind of started doing this through North Star and they introduced me to writing for television because they got a lot of things through for like small film companies and adverts and things that would be looking for songs um, and library music as well which is um, when you sort of give your song rights away, but it puts it into a big music library so companies can kind of find your song from that and then your song might randomly appear on a cool TV show and I had a song which appeared on um, The Carrie Diaries, which was a Sex and the City prequel, which was aired in America and on some Lifetime movies and that kind of level of TV show. So doing all that kind of meant that I got a little bit of success through doing songwriting uh, for TV. Um, so yeah, I worked. With, I was working with them. At the same time, I also got asked uh, by this company, Delicious Digital, to play at their Halloween party. They had a big networking party that they had every Halloween. I think they have them at Christmas and a lot of times throughout the year. Um, and a lot of companies will have these big networking parties where they'll invite writers and publishers and all kinds of people. And the aim is just for people to network and meet each other. Um, and they obviously thought that I had potential in these like scrappy little demos that I had and asked me to go up and play. Um, so I was really nervous because I'd never been up to anywhere in London like I'm playing I think I was maybe like about 1920 at the time um, yeah it was quite nerve-wracking but from there um, I actually researched who was going who was with Delicious Digital and who was going to be at the party um, and I saw that there was a writing duo there called Chicks with Hits who did a lot of like TV work there were two ladies who just did the thing that I really wanted to do but they had really big success with it um, and when I was there I, I saw them at the party and I kind of went up to them and said I've, I've seen you on Delicious Digital's website and you know this is my demo would you ever write with anybody like I'm a singer and they heard me performing and they kind of gave me a shot to come and write with them um, and Ellie and Philippa have become like really close friends and um, particularly Ellie um, I'm still friends with Nash just came to my Hindu actually <laughs> and she was kind of my mentor with all because she had her own home recording studio and she really mentored me with like you know how I should get my home recording studio if I want to keep doing this like how to how to network how to find producers um, and so I was with North Star and I was also writing with Ellie on the side and doing that as a separate thing 
So she would like introduce me to people she knew and we were doing top lining. Um, and then basically her company, uh, last minute, they had a last minute space for a big um, writing camp in Sweden. Um, so they will, my publish, they're now my publishing company because from this trip, um, they, I kind of proved what I could do and they ended up signing me. So I moved from Northstar to DWB, who are a bigger company. Um, and basically every so often they will hold a big writers camp. They'll get with another publishing company. It'll be like two big publishers get together, both bring their writers to the team. Everybody gets in teams and gives, uh, like maybe has three days with a big brief at the beginning to write songs. Um, and then from that, it's kind of benefits everyone because you've got two publishing companies both pitching the song out. Everybody gets to meet everyone. You meet connections. It's just a really nice way to kind of everyone to expand their contacts. Um, and it was, yeah, a bit, quite a big camp, which was on in Sweden um, for Asian music because we do a lot of stuff for Japan and Korea. There's a really big uh, market for pop music out there and people who don't write their own music and constant conveyor belt of bands who are always looking for songs so that's a big area that a lot of UK writers are now looking into so I kind of went into the newbie on this big camp like literally it was like Friday can you come to Sweden on Monday we're desperate we need a singer so I just thought I've got to go for it so I kind of went on my own never really traveled never done anything by myself it was really scary I only knew Ellie and that was it um, and I was with all these big writers who'd like, done things for really big bands in the 90s and stuff. And I um, I just felt a little bit out of my depth, actually. It was quite scary. You can't, I kind of felt like I was doing really well. And then you get with people who are really professional and you start to realise you're just a tiny fish in a big ocean. Um, and all of my contacts who I thought were really big, they were like, yeah, you know, they're not very good. And <laughs> it was a bit like, oh, my God, I've still got such a long way to climb. But I... Um, kind of forced myself to, to go and do the best I could and bring things to the table and give my vocals the best that they could do for all the songs. Um, and I seemed to impress everyone. Everyone was really happy with what I did. And from there, DWB signed me. So it was kind of a case of just taking the opportunity when it came knocking at the door and, you know, building up my confidence and building up all my networks and just trying to take any opportunity that came my way and and if you take enough opportunities you kind of end up in the right place at the right time um and so from there the last maybe like I think it was five years ago that that happened because I came up on my Facebook recently like it's been five years since you went to Sweden so over the past five years I've really built up um as much as I can with DWB and I've met loads of other producers and now I've done loads of camps and I've been all over Europe I've been to Sweden Holland Denmark um, I've just done one in the UK for Eurovision and um, we do a lot of like pitching out for the Eurovision it's a big thing with our company um, and yeah I've uh, since then I've had songs which have been placed with Belgian girl bands I've had um, there's a big Japanese girl band called Fakey that I've been doing a lot of work with and they've just released a big um, album out in Japan and I've got loads of things which are going to be coming out this year as well which have kind of it takes so long when a song gets cut with an artist to when uh, you're allowed to talk about it but I've got about three or four songs that are going to hopefully be coming out this year or early next year. So, um, yeah, it's just been really good and really successful. And, um, I mean, it's not enough for me to give up my day job yet, but I'm hoping that if I just keep working at it and putting into it, eventually I'll be able to maybe make some uh, proper side income through it. And that's kind of my dream to 
be able to have creative work and you know as a, as half my income and then the other half through my day job but yeah eventually one day I want to make the leap and to be able to make it my at least part-time career so that's kind of the story <laughs> there was nothing I could do to stop the gravity of you Lord knows I didn't want to fight Persistence is absolutely the key. There has been so much rejection, and I can tell you like a million horrible tales where I've been like a hair away from a really big, exciting project happening and it didn't happen. And the tears and the screaming, and the oh, I'm giving it up, I'm never doing it again. And then the next day, you're like, Well, what else am I going to do? Like, I may as well keep going. <laughs> um, there's another interesting detail in there is that where you were going up to London for a party and you researched who was going to be there. Yes. That, that's quite thorough, that is, isn't it? I think that, I mean, I don't want to sound like stalky because I feel like, hello, I, I know everything about you, come and, come and talk to me. But I think it always doesn't hurt to ever just check out if you're going somewhere, like check out who's there, who are their clients, like is there anyone who, you know, might want to collaborate with me? Like if the more you know about anything, the more chance you've got of getting somewhere with it. And I feel it's the same with um, when we're pitching out songs, like because we obviously we're doing a lot of stuff for Korea, and now I make it my mission just to check out the Korean pop charts like every week, always keep on track of what bands are out there, and like whatever it is, it's a thing that you want to do. You should definitely just if the more you know, the better chances you've got because it just the more knowledge you have, the more I guess it's just the more chance you've got of being in the right place because you know what you're looking for. So uh, that leads me on to a. Uh, uh quite nicely onto my next question which was um, now that you're you're with this company um, what does that mean on a day-to-day -day basis and I mean you've got the writers camps but in between the camps what 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 involvement do you have there are you still writing stuff and still sending stuff yeah well basically uh, DWB are kind of the middle people for anyone looking for songs so um, and that they go to a lot of meetings where um, uh, like Midem and things in Belgium where they'll go and make contacts and find leads and things. So basically if a company is looking for a song for their artist, they'll go to DWB and say, we've got this artist, they've done this, this and this, because um, they'll vet obviously the, the site. We, we, we're not like at Katy Perry level, but we also want people who are going to sell songs and have views. So they'll make sure that they're an artist that's worth uh, investing our time in. Um, they'll say, we're looking for a song that sounds like this. They'll give like a reference song to us. Um, you know, we want lyrics like this, this is the age group, um, and then we can look through our catalogues and see if we've got anything that matches what they're looking for, or we can look at the brief and choose to write something new. So DWB will give me a lot of options, like they'll say, oh, why don't you try writing with this person that we know, or things like that, and they, they're kind of the, uh, I guess, the organisers of everybody. Um and uh yeah so then we will send the songs to greg at dwb and then he will um decide he'll filter through to pick like the best options out of everyone's songs that he gets and then he might pitch say the top 10 to the that company 
and then we'll either get it or we won't and we just don't hear if we don't get it but if we do we'll get a message that says oh they want to hold your song or they're considering it and eventually that might lead to it's being cut by the artist and then you know it's definitely they're going to take it um so yeah they're just kind of the uh the arrangers um and equally if i uh one thing i've done is sometimes i scout out people who i think might have potential and I'll say do you want to come to the studios and we can write something together so they give me studio space and um, producers to work with their end so that if I see someone who I think I might want to work with them and we have a studio then I know that I can approach them and I've got a company behind me and studio space there so just kind of opens up options for any project that I want to do um, and I'm always trying to like write songs all the time like sometimes I do it over email sometimes I travel to see people um, uh, because of my day job um, I don't get to write as often as like some of my other co-writers do um, but I try and just whenever I feel inspired and I've got time try and arrange sessions and then we just have a big list of songs there and just yeah trying to match the right song to the right artist <laughs> and I don't know how to tell you sometimes how to make you understand you have the power to break me It hasn't escaped me That my heart's in your palm Why don't you save me instead? Uh, if we can just rewind a few years Yeah um, What was the song or artist that really got you into music as a fan? Well, the very first um, album which totally... Um, I feel like changed my whole life and made, made me think like oh my god music is amazing was Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette my mum had it on cassette tape in her car and she used to play it all the time and I just used to think this is like magic this is witchcraft what is this it's amazing and it was very because up until then I'd only really listened to Disney music so I loved Disney music and you know kid, kid music and, and probably that had a massive influence on my songwriting as well um, and but that was I guess the first like grown up sophisticated sort of music that I'd ever heard and it was just it spoke to me so much and I uh, sort of nicked my mum's cassette tape out of the car and um, I went up to my uh, room in my little my little cassette player and I used to just play it all the time and just writing down all the lyrics because it was kind of before Google lyrics and stuff like that so I just write all the lyrics and learning the songs and I didn't really understand a lot of the meaning of the words and I'd be going up to my mum like, Mum, what does this lyric mean? Mum, what does she mean by that? And my mum would sit and like deconstruct all the songs and try and like explain them to me. And I'm like, wow, my mum's so clever. I don't know how she knows all these things. And I just found it just, I think the fact that it was a bit cryptic was just so exciting to me. Um, and from there, I really got into that kind of alternative singer-songwriter kind of like I love Tori Amos I went when I in my teenage years I just went for a spell where it was she was all I listened to um there's an artist called Liz Fair who isn't as well known but she was kind of also in that kind of underground alternative singer-songwriter thing and I fell in love with her album um and I there was also a girl who an Australian friend of mine sent to me called Missy Higgins and she played at piano um and she was very like gentle singer-songwriter he sent me that saying oh I can hear you and this girl like you should listen to her album it might inspire you and that was all the kind of stuff I think that really um had a huge influence on me growing up and as well as like all the pop stuff like Nelly Furtado and Pink and there was a Norwegian girl band called M2M I used to love them like anything really melodic and 
interesting lyrically I just really loved and stuff that I could sing along with on the radio mm. so all of that was I guess my springboard into the next stages <laughs> so how long was it before you started writing your own songs I remember writing my first ever song, but like in my head when I was 12 and it was all about going to school and stuff like that and going to bed and going to school and waking up. Um, so, and then I used to sort of just, I think around that age, like 12, 13, I would just sit writing little melodies and lyrics and poems and things, but I didn't really think anything of it. I just thought I was messing around and it was what everybody just did in their bedrooms. Um, and I think that I wrote my very first a proper song when I was 14 and my nan got me this program called Top of the Pops Mix Maker and it was like for kids and it had all these little it was like a garage band kind of thing and it had all these little samples and you could arrange the samples in the right place and then record your own voice over the top so I was just arranged it and I wrote this little song called Dead Man Walking um, and it was like this little sassy girl power kind of song and um, I just rearranged them all and recorded a little melody over the top and I played it to my mum and she was like, oh my God, is this you singing? Did you write this? I was like, yeah. And she went, this is really good. And I was like, oh, is it? Like, I just thought I was messing around. And I think because she was so excited about it, it made me think, oh, maybe I should keep doing this. And I just started writing like five or six songs until I literally ran out of samples on this little program. And then I ended up thinking, oh, well, I'll just play some notes on the piano. But I literally only knew about five notes and I would just play them in like one note at a time, ding, 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 like that, and just right over the top. So I guess I was like top lining back then, just didn't really know that's what it was. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I just would sit at home uh, on my computer with my crappy little microphone um, just recording all these songs and I still have them all on my computer there must have been like a hundred of them um, I feel like I should go through them maybe and like pick out all the good bits and make them better now um, and yeah that just used to be what I did all the time so that's kind of where it all started Were you playing guitar at the time? As well? I wasn't, I only had this little keyboard and then I got to a point where I thought well if I want to go out and play these songs I'm going to have to learn to play guitar or something because I think I did take piano lessons but I'm very lazy like I hate music theory I'm very much like a lyrics and melody person and I just hate all of that side of things which I know is awful it's not good advice to be like ignore that side of things because I think that's probably one thing that's held me back a tiny bit but I find it very frustrating and boring and I'm, I used to hate playing piano and hate piano lessons I've never practiced I couldn't stand doing any of it I, I feel like I'm not a technical person I can't found guitar very hard when I played the guitar I found it really difficult to even blimmin hold the thing but I thought I just have to like I have to learn like if I can learn like six or seven chords like that's all I need so that's what I did I learned all the easy ones I still can't really play bar chords or when I do they're really like <laughs> I, why, I know enough that's why capos were invented yeah exactly <laughs> use the capo like all of my songs were just you know three chords but it was all that I needed because I was focusing on my melody and my lyrics and so I learned guitar I think it was about Maybe I was a bit older than 16. I might have been like 17, 18 because I was at college at the time. But sort of late teens, I, I learned it and it was really hard. But then it got to a point where it just, it was easy. It just, I just, it just clicked and, and then I didn't have to think about it anymore. Um, and then once I knew the chords, I just started going out to open mic nights and just playing, playing my songs. Mm. Um, Can you tell us a bit more about the, uh, the first time, what it was like the first time going out and performing your own songs? How, oh how, gosh, how I can't remember the exact first gig, but it must have been, I used to go to Nick Courtney's open mic night at the barn um, in Milton in Portsmouth, which was where loads of uh, local songwriters used to come of all ages, all abilities, all levels and it was just such a nice, safe place to go and test things out and you knew everyone would be really supportive and give you really good feedback. And 
um, you know, you'd go and feel really inspired by other people's songwriting, and it was a really lovely, like, community spirit. So that was where I first started doing my um, gigs. I think that I maybe started out doing, like, one or two songs, like, tentatively, and then I ended up building up to doing, like, an hour's set. And, yeah, I used to get... So, I still get so nervous. I'm a really nervy performer. <laughs> I, get, I get sick before a gig. Once I'm up there playing, I'm absolutely fine, but before a gig, I'm just so nervous. So I must have been, like, sick with nerves. Um, and also, you know, really worried about, like, it was just silly things. Like, if my guitar string came out of tune, I was so could never get it under pressure to come back into tune like if a guitar string broke or something I would never know what to do it was very stressful that side of things but I knew that you know what's the worst thing that could happen but because it was such a nice audience if anything like that did happen someone would run up and help you and change your string or tune your guitar and so that was um you know a really nice environment to start out doing songs and um it really was a buzz to be able to show give show my songs to other people and and the, the interesting thing was um, the audience would kind of show you what songs were worth kind of pursuing or what songs were the best songs because sometimes you'd have a song which you'd think was really great and maybe it would get a bit of a lukewarm reaction and then you'd have a song which you hadn't thought that much about and everyone would be saying, I loved that one, it was the best, the second you play it again and I think it's weird, like, what I learned was the audience reaction really determines, like, you, all you do is write a song, you can't change, you can't decide what reaction people are going to give to it, and that was just the really cool thing about it, it would kind of show you where your strengths lie, seeing your songs through other people's eyes, so that's what I really liked about Some doing Some kind things. of broken little light And there is nothing I can do to stop the gravity of you So won't you hold me close tonight What's the difference between writing for yourself or writing for other people or does it not work like that? Do you just write a song and then decide whether that would be good for Occasionally, someone Occasionally, but I, th- I write very differently when I'm writing for other people than when I'm writing for myself. When I write for myself, I think it comes from a very personal place. Like most of my songs for me... They're, they're very therapeutic for me. They're very much like working through my own feelings about things. I, sometimes the lyrics are a little bit cryptic or a bit weird. And sometimes I find like I just let the song amble a little bit. Like I'm not quite so... Um, trying to think of the word like when I'm writing songs for other people they have to be very like polished structured if we're thinking like we were going to go on the radio it's almost like you can't be too risky or you can be risky but you have to do it in a very sort of mainstream way because you you're you're writing for an audience of like a big audience and you have to remember um that people are going to be hearing it in like maybe you want that musical or I'm not sure, like, when I'm writing my own solo stuff, I'm writing stuff from from an alternative singer-songwriter point of view and people either like it or they don't, but when I'm writing stuff for other people, it's got to be something that a, a whole united group of people is going to like, and that's very different. Um, and also when I'm writing for other people, um, it does become a bit more storytelling or beca- making character or inventing, like, a hook or something memorable, whereas my own stuff is more my own feelings and emotions. Um, And it's not that I don't put feelings into my songs for other people, because I do, but it's in a bit more of a restrained way, I think. Um, Because it's, basically, you don't want to be self-indulgent when you're writing for other people. You have to remember you're writing for everybody, whereas for myself, I can just kind of be really self-indulgent and do whatever I want. Um, And, yeah, it's definitely taken me a little while to separate the two, um, 
but I love doing both actually and it, and I think that it's expanded my songwriting to be able to co-write with others and, and write from a different person's perspective rather than just writing for me so yeah it is, it is different I think you may have heard a saying that goes along the lines of talent borrows, genius steals. <laughs> um, this is a question I ask everyone. Yeah. Uh, have you ever deliberately heard something in a, someone else's song and thought, I love that technique or I love that, that the way that they've done that. I'm going to try and in some way incorporate that into one of my songs. Yes. <laughs> that's probably, and that's the answer that everyone gives as well. Probably yeah. the worst answer. <laughs> but sometimes I try, it's weird because sometimes I'm just so adamant that I have to be original. And there's been occasions where, like, I've been in a session, I've gone, quick, let's just Google this lyric. I have to make sure that I haven't taken it from someone. Or sometimes I've been listening to something on the radio and you hear back your song, and you're like, crap, it's that melody. Like, I have to change some notes. Like, I'm very worried about stealing things. Like, I, I, it's definitely, like, people always get so frustrated writing from in the studio because I'm like, check it, let's check it, let's check it, it's not copied. And I'm like, it's fine, it's fine, nothing's original. And so occasionally, like, I am like that and I'm very much the other end of the spectrum. But then when I actually want to take something, and um, I do do it deliberately. Um, sometimes there's, like, I just love a song so much that I think, do you know what, I want to write my version of this song, like, especially with, like, chord sequences and, like, grooves and that kind of vibe of things. Like, um, I really fell in love once with Underneath It All by No Doubt. I was so in love with that song and I just kind of took the groove of it and wrote my own kind of version of their song over like the vibes of the chords. Um, mine was called Sweet Little Love Song. So, But if anyone ever asked me, I'd always say like it was influenced 100% by that song, but I just wanted to make you know my own version with different lyrics and different melody and but just that kind of groove. So I think of anything that's what I tend to take is like the vibes and grooves of things because if I love it so much, I think I definitely have to write a song in this style. Um, yeah, and occasionally, like lyrics, little lyric ideas, like oh, that's a really cool concept, like maybe we could write it in a way that's got a slight twist on it. So, um, yeah, occasionally I do unique things, <laughs> like I will hold my hands up. <laughs> frustrations about uh, songwriting and, and the business as well have you ever come close to um, uh, giving up and what was it what, what is it that keeps you going there's been so many times where I've just been like I'm not doing this anymore I'm never doing it again like a hundred percent and I've probably got like tons of woe stories one time when I am um, uh, like this is kind of my biggest sort of story which I kind of look back now and think you know if I got through this this is hopefully would inspire other people but um, I won't say who it was, but I met with one of my sort of songwriting heroes. It was someone who'd written for some big pop acts. She spoke to me on um, MySpace, of all things. We connected on there, and she invited me to go up and write with her and uh, her husband for, for two days. And I was so excited. I couldn't believe like, this was when I hadn't really had any experience co-writing. I couldn't believe she'd asked me up. It was a huge thing for me. Um, and I went up all bright-eyed with my bag and... Um, I think my parents came up with me and we, we took a, um, we, we, we got a hotel room for the night and it was like a really big sort of thing for us. Um, and when I went in to write with her, she was not really anything, you know, you say like never meet your hero. She was really nothing like 
what I thought she was going to be. She seemed very jaded by the industry and like now being in it longer than I was then, I can see like why she was the way she was. But back then it was a bit of a shock to my system. Like she was very much like giving me all these reasons why I shouldn't be a songwriter, why it's really difficult, why, you know, things fall through and this happens and that happens and don't get your hopes up about anything. And all of her sort of speeches to me was all like really negative things about why I should give up with it. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And we got into the writing session um, and I, I just clammed up. I was really intimidated by her and I, I was terrible. I, was, I didn't give any melody ideas. I was just really shy and awkward and she didn't really want to bring it out of me. She was really frustrated with me and thought I was being rubbish. Um, and she just sort of kept snapping at me the whole time. Every time I came up with an idea, she poo-pooed it. Um, when I sang on the microphone she like laughed and told me I was mooing like a cow <laughs> and made these really horrible comments to me and her, her, her and her husband I felt like they were kind of ganging up on me somewhat um, I was really a bit discouraged by it um, but I tried to sort of just push it to one side thinking you know it's going to be fine it's fine like I kind of at the time didn't really think about how much it was affecting me the next day we had another session planned and she was obviously really fed up with how I'd been the day before and had like no time for you the next day. She said, I think you're obviously bored in this session, Becky. And I was just totally paralyzed with fear, I think. Um, and she took all of my vocals off. She said, I've re-sung it because you didn't do it well enough. And it, it, it was just a really like horrible session. And we, we ended it early and I could just feel tears in my eyes. And her husband dropped me back to the station and he went, oh, so do you still want to be a songwriter then? It was like the last thing that he said as I was leaving the car, almost as if they'd been plotting to like put me off of it. Um, and I was just totally overwhelmed by the whole thing. I ended up leaving my bag in his back of his car and my boyfriend had to go back like the next week to go and pick it up for me because I was so upset. I didn't want to go and see them again. And I just got back on the tube and I just burst into tears and I rang my mum. I was like, mum, come and pick me up. Like, I don't, I'm not a songwriter. I can't do this. She told me I'm not going to be a songwriter. And I just, it was just totally overwhelming to me. And I think now, had I been in that position, that would never have happened. We probably would have had a really good day and got on really well. But I think that I was not experienced enough for that situation and she perhaps wasn't kind enough to remember how she'd started out. And it was a massive clash of personalities. Um, and I was just absolutely just so upset. I never had anything like that before. And I just, and she made me feel like it's so hard, it's never going to happen for me. And then, I just kept going because there was nothing else to do. I have to do it. There was no like giving up for even though I had my little wobble because what was the other option? Just never do it anymore. Um, and, you know, now I kind of look back and think, wow, like, you know, I managed to get through it. So I feel like, you know, if anyone ever says to any other songwriter the stuff that she said to me, like, it is hard. And I think there is an element of like trying to warn young songwriters like that it's not a walk in the park and I think I was very naive and thought that it was going to be really easy or like you know that all I'd have to do was write a few good songs and it was going to happen and it really doesn't work like that like it's more like writing a few hundred good songs and keep going and going and maybe in her way she was just trying to prepare me for that maybe she was being cruel to be kind in her way and because I wasn't really ready for it I read it in a different way it is tough but that doesn't mean like that you can't do it. Like you're going to have to work at it, but you shouldn't let anyone say no. You, you, it's not going to happen for you. Um, and I think it's, you have to remember. I think a lot of people in that position they do get jaded. I think they do 
when they've been working it a long time and have sort of peaked at their career and then they're on the way down, they do get very jaded and cynical and you have to always keep that in mind when people are giving you advice. Like, what well, you know, they might have, it might have been that way for them, but it might not be that way for me. Um, but yeah, there's been loads of, like, rejections. I, was, I've, I thought there was... I'll have to tell you the story. There was one time when I thought that I'd got a big car advert and I thought that I had 30 grand. <laughs> they told, the invoice came through. They said that they were going to take the song. I'd literally spent this money in my mind. I was like, oh, my God, this is it. I finally got a big advert cut, like, all these years. It's finally happened. And then literally, like, the 11th hour, oh, we're really sorry we've gone with the other song. Just felt like we liked the vibes a bit more. And I was like, <laughs> my wedding money's gone down the drain. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? And, and then, you know, you're upset about it. And it's like, well, easy come, easy go. It's like, but it felt like someone had said, you've won the lottery. Oh, just kidding, you haven't. <laughs> I think it's just made me realise, you know, you have to not get overly it's so easy to get carried away and get overly excited with things and that has been my biggest problem like I'm so easy to just go it's happening we've got it we've got the big song it's going to happen and then you know until it's literally on the dotted line the thing is out and it's physically there for people to hold in their hands like you should always take it with a pinch of salt and know that it might not happen because the industry is so like flip-floppy and it can literally depend on like what sandwich someone's eating in the morning I think as to like whether (laughs) <laughs> whether they make the decision about something or not so it's been a big lesson to learn <laughs> has your um your experience of songwriting and the business side of it and very much the sort of in-depth technical side of uh, constructing a song mm. has that in any way um jaded your enjoyment of music when you hear songs or just or can you sort of separate out the two the, the end product purely on a uh, an entertainment level from the what may have led up to it getting there or are you thinking oh I like that chord change or oh, I see what they've done there is there actually that's the bit that I really like <laughs> like I kind of I think it took me a while to get to that point because I think when you're writing a song for yourself and then it gets changed and you've had it a certain way you've been out performing it a certain way and then it gets changed you can it can be a bit like oh well I liked it the way I liked it but I think where I do a lot of collaboration and we're all sort of starting from scratch on the same page and we're all kind of constructing it like this big building or something as we go like seeing the changes and stuff it's almost like you can have a really great idea and then someone else comes up with like this little added layer that you didn't think of and it just turns like a good idea from like to a great idea and I've learned to really love that collaboration sort of side of it and and I, and I really love glossy produced pop music. Like, I'm pop of pop trash. I love pop songs. I love music in the charts. And I love when you have this, like, little song on a guitar in a room and then you get it back from a producer and it's, like, huge and there's all these effects. And that's, like, the exciting part to me. It's like it's suddenly brought this thing to life. And, um, yeah, I love the, the kind of structure of pop music and the kind of ABC of it, the building blocks. I think it's really cool. <laughs> hey, you know that. favorite song by another artist mm, of all time <laughs> yeah of all time and no one can ever narrow it down to one so you're allowed to have more than one. Oh my god do you know what i was talking about this with um my boyfriend and my friends the other day because i said I've got, i'm going to do a podcast i know he's going to ask me what's my favorite song of all time and i will not be able to answer that question but i was like if someone had a gun to my head and asked me like i think it would probably be the three that i mentioned earlier like my three heroes tori amos cornflake girl 
Ironic by Alanis Morissette and Liz Fair, Why Can't I? Which is like a really amazing pop song. Um, but I also like absolutely love Taylor Swift and I swear like almost her entire back catalogue is like some of my favourite work and she has a, fr- a song called Forever and Always which is a really um, amazing song, amazing melody and yeah it's one of my all time favourites. I, I, how can you choose? It's like depends like what mood I'm in as well like every time I... I'm in a, like, in a sad mood, or I'll put something on, I'm like, oh my god, this song, I'm so emotional, and then, oh, if I'm happy and I want a really big pop song, like, oh my god, this is my favourite song ever, and I just love music, I love songs, like, I cannot narrow it down, um, but those are, like, definitely some favourites, um, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, Ben Folds as well, like, he's one of my, like, heroes, um, he's got a song, uh, quite a few songs, which are, like, some of my all-time favourites, um, The Luckiest is a really lovely song, like, lyrically, um, yeah, I guess it depends as well. Like, you know, I've got favourite songs for lyrics. I've got favourite songs for production. Production-wise, Cry Me a River by Justin Timberlake, one of the best, like, produced pop songs of all time. So that's got to be up there. Yeah, I can't choose. <laughs> There's some. <laughs> that's the, your favourite songs by other people. What, what do you think are your best songs? Which are you, If you could only choose two or three of your own songs, which, which do you think? And they can be co-writes or, you know, anything that you've hmm. ever had an involvement in. I always feel like I'm upping my game like every year that I uh, I write songs with people so I feel like my favourite continuously changes because I'll have a favourite I think that's the best thing I've done and then I feel like I managed to up it a little bit more with the next co-write um, so uh, co-written wise I mean there's songs which is like super special to me because you know they've been placed with people um, there's a song with, with this girl band Fakey called Surrender which I wrote with um a Japanese girl called Kanata who has been like such a huge influence to me in my writing and been really instrumental in giving me a bit of a break with my songwriting and she's like taught me so much about songwriting and keeping current and you know taking cool risks with things so um, the song that I did with her and a, a producer called Sky called Surrender is definitely um, one of my current favourites. Um, solo wise just writing on my own I have a song called Fire which is this kind of like cool bluesy song which I go out and play with my band sometimes um, and I'm really proud of it it just feels like a song where all the elements kind of came together and there's a big like high notes in it where I can really showcase my vocals and um, I'm, I'm really proud of that song I have a song called Reasons which I wrote for one of my books so it's like a, uh, a I wrote um, the song in as a song that one of the characters sings um, and it was a song that I wrote really quickly in like 15 minutes, but it kind of had all this heart of like years of working on this book. And um, it's just a, a nice little country song. And I'm like really super proud of that song. Um, and there's loads of stuff which I've been co-writing at the moment. Um, I've just come back from Eurovision camp and two songs that I wrote with two teams um, over the two days I was there. I'm, I think they're now like some of my favourite songs of all time. I'm really like happy with them. So if they end up, managing to get to anywhere on Eurovision or any of the heats for Eurovision next year like can look back and be like they were my favourites at the time <laughs> hey you know that whoa I hope you have a distinguished career in songwriting I hope so <laughs> uh, looking back is there anything that you know now that you wish that you had known when you first embarked on it yeah lots of things um I think that when I first started writing, I actually didn't really think about what I was doing. I just kind of did it. Um, And I think that certain songs probably would have been better had I had the skills to make 
like I feel like now I'm able to rewrite I'm able to go back and change things whereas before I'd be like right I've written the song that's it it's done the end next song and I think there's always that kind of slight element in me when I'm writing I am a little bit of a don't like to fuss too much I, t- I tend to like the uh, the feeling that comes out when you first write like that but I'm sort of a bit addicted to that kind of magic of it but equally I think you do have to kind of balance your head and your heart because there are some songs that have been so much improved by just going over and you know changing a hook or rewriting a line or really fine-tuning it um to the point where it's gone from you know it's an all right song to oh it sounds radio ready now um and there is that kind of yeah there is like a hard labor i think involved with songs that sound really good and I think I was quite lazy when I first started writing and now I've maybe got a little bit less lazy. <laughs> I am quite a lazy person though. <laughs> but I think, yeah, being able to scrutinise your own songs and not taking it personally when something needs to be changed, you know, like it, it, sometimes you come up with something that just isn't a strong idea and you have to be able to, to look at it and go, okay, like how do I make it better and know that you don't know it all. Um, and also learn to listen to other people and let them in and, and kind of trust them with what you're doing. Sometimes, you know, it's easy to be a bit control freakish about your own songs and you know, don't touch them, they're my babies, you're going to ruin them. And I think if you kind of just say, okay, like, here you go, what can you do with it? Like, if you give it to someone you trust who's a good writer, they can give it, give it back to you in an even better state than it was before. And it's just that collaboration. I used to be very reluctant to co-write with people. I didn't think I needed anyone. I was very arrogant, I think, when I was a teenager. I thought I knew it all. Um, and now I know I didn't know anything. I still don't know anything. <laughs> and, you know, no one knows anything. But when you get together, you, you can create magic. And it's a really good thing to collaborate. It expands you as a songwriter. It, uh, and you should try all kind of different genres. Like, don't get just stuck in one thing. Don't become like a music snob because it's easy to be like I don't want to write a pop song or I don't want to do this but that artist's no good but when you look at all the artists who are like out on the charts like everyone's worked really hard to be there like everybody it might not be your genre but everyone is super passionate about the thing that they're doing and those songs are good and they're there for a reason and it's good to look at them and be like okay well why is this song like popular like what is it is it because it's of the repetition or the melody or the lyrics like what what is it that makes the song so good and it's really good to unpick, like listen to as much as you can, unpick songs um, and figure out what makes them good and try and bring that to your own songwriting. So yeah, I'd say go back into time. I'd say that to myself, like just maybe think a little bit more about what you're doing as you're doing it. <laughs> How can people hear your music? Um, so my music's a bit of a mishmash because where I do a lot of stuff with other people, um, all of my like stuff, which is for me, um, is very old now and probably doesn't reflect what I'm writing at the moment. Um, and the stuff that I'm writing in co-writing sessions, I'm not allowed to put it anywhere publicly because companies don't like it to be out online. Um, so a lot of what I do is kind of like hidden in the shadows. Um, but I do have some stuff on SoundCloud. I've got stuff on YouTube. And I also have a website where I've got a little like music player and there's a couple of bits and pieces on there. Um, and I also say if people ever want to really hear my stuff, I've got like secret SoundCloud links where I can show them the more new stuff as long as they don't share it with anybody. <laughs> so what's um, the website address? So my website address is uh, just www.beckygerrams.com. And yeah, there's some music on there. Um, and yeah, SoundCloud, Becky Jerrams. Um, and, and yeah, the, the, on the YouTube books are on well. there as well. Are they people? The books are on books? Amazon, and there's all stuff about the books, like links to the books, on my website as well. So if anyone is interested in that, that that's on there as well. Okay. Oh.
Becky, thank, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me and for talking about music with me. <laughs> but you saw something in me A broken little There was nothing I could do to stop the gravity of you. Lord knows I didn't want to fight. All of the reasons, gonna write them on the back of my hand. Why I loved you. Why I still do Why I'm trying the best that I can Hey, you know that Hey, you know that Oh And I don't know how to tell you sometimes how to make you understand you have the power to break me it hasn't escaped me that my heart's in your palm why don't you save me instead cause you see something in me some kind of broken little light And there is nothing I can do To stop the gravity of you So won't you hold me close tonight All of the reasons I'm gonna write them Trying the best that I can Hey, you know that Hey, you know that Oh Hey, you know that Hey, you know that Oh Back of 